they'll be unthankful, they'll be disobedient to their parents. Um, after it says unthankful, it says they'll be unholy. Uh, the New Living Translation says there that not only unholy, but it says that nothing will be sacred. Nothing will be sacred. And so we just talk about what is sacred anymore and what is sacred in the church? What is sacred, uh, sacred values that we hold? And uh, of course, we can't define our sacredness by what the world is doing. We can't define, we don't define what God is doing by what's going on in the world right now. We define what God is doing through what he's doing through his church and through his people and, uh, and what is sacred. And so even though the world may not hold a lot of things sacred, they don't hold marriage sacred, they don't hold uh, you know, uh, gender sacred anymore, it's a mess. I mean, it's a total mess out there. But it shouldn't be a mess in here. It should not be a mess in here. We should have real clarity about what it is we believe in. So today we're going to be looking at a different aspect. Last week we talked about I believe, and we're going to look at a different aspect of the Apostles' Creed, talking about God the Father, God the creator of heaven and earth, the Father creator of heaven and earth. And, um, but you know, it all, as we look at this and we, as we do the, go through the different aspects of the Creed, one of the things that will keep coming up is this idea of the Trinity. We believe in the Trinity. Now, most of us here that were brought up in any kind of church environment, we've heard about the Trinity. We don't necessarily understand the Trinity. I'm not sure we can fully understand it, and I'll explain why that is. But uh, that God is three persons, but he's one person. And uh, so we look at that and we go, oh, how's that? Because we only worship one God, but yet God in three persons. Blessed Trinity is what, the, what we would sing in the doxology. So how does that all pan out for you and I, understanding that God the Father is God completely, God the Son, Jesus Christ, is God completely. He's not half God and half man. He's, God, he's all God, all man, all right? Uh, and that the Holy Spirit as well is not just an apparition or a ghost, the Holy Spirit, which we found out as we looked at what people believe, even in evangelical environments, about the Holy Spirit, that he's just like, you know, he's not God. He's just something that's, he's a spiritual thing that's out there, or wind, or doing, he's just power, or whatever. Well, the Holy Spirit is God as well. So let me just kind of, you know, so I've heard different illustrations about this, and, and some of you have probably heard these too, like they'll talk about water, okay? So you have water, but water can be ice, water can be vapor, can be steam, right? Or it can just be liquid, can be all three things, but it's still water. But, and that's okay, it kind of gives us an idea, but that does, God isn't water, okay? So that's going to kind of mess us up. Uh, each of those different aspects of water have different personalities to them. Obviously, ice is frozen and steam is in vapor and liquid is, you know, fluid, right? So it's going to be different for, for, in our understanding, but, but, but God is way beyond that. To, he's way beyond that idea of vapor. And I've heard people talk about, you know, it's like an egg. It has a shell and it has a yolk and it has a, the white part, whatever they call that, and, you know, and... He's th but it's still one egg. But God's not an egg either. 
So C.S. Lewis did a really great, I thought did a really great job. It helps to understand this. C.S. Lewis, anybody familiar with who that is? So he was a great author. Um, and C.S. Lewis talked about how that if you have a line, if you have one line, okay, then you can make a, if you have the ability to do one line, you can make a straight line. You can, you know, you can make it go from point A to point B. If you have two lines, that's two dimensions. Now you can make an object. You can make a square, right? You could make a rectangle. You can make a triangle. You can make different things because you have one dimension. You're only going to be able to do the one thing. Two dimensions, you're able to do, you're able to do, you know, to build, make things out of it. But Lewis talks about how there, the third dimension is that you add another line to that and now you can make different things. And he talks about how that you can make a cube. Now a cube is six square. So you need one square to add to. Now what are you doing? You're adding substance dimension, making it look more like something we would recognize, not just a square, but you make a cube which has depth to it, has height to it, right? And so it becomes a much, a much deeper understanding of that, right? When we see it, when we see a cube over a straight line, all right? Now, take God, who is not just in that third dimension idea, but move him into the fourth dimension. And fourth, uh, um, Einstein tried, he, Einstein talked about a fourth dimension. I mean, he was trying to explain. That's where he came up with the E equals MC squared. Is this too deep this morning? And uh, so the, the idea is, though, that fourth dimension is there, it's, it really moves beyond our level of vision and understanding. It moves beyond our, our ability to, to truly understand it. Just because you and I don't understand something doesn't mean it's not true. Okay? And just because we haven't experienced something doesn't mean it's not true. You know, for years they talked about going through, getting, going fast enough to get through the sound barrier. All right? Eventually, Chuck Yeager did it. He actually went through the sound barrier. He broke it. And uh, he was the only person that ever did it at that time. So he gets through the sound barrier. He has now had an experience that no one else on earth, on the planet has had. But he comes back and tells that story about what he experienced when he got into that place, all right? Nobody else has gone through that, but people believed what he had said, even though they did not understand it. Are you with me? So there are aspects of this we don't understand, but it doesn't mean it's not true. It just means it's beyond our level of comprehension. How is God three persons and still one person? Well, that really is beyond our limits in our thinking. And we can look for things that kind of give clues to that, like we talked about one dimension, two dimension, three dimension, all the fourth, moving in the fourth dimension. But it's kind of like what Elisha dealt with with his servant. You know, his servant sees one thing, an army, we're in trouble. Elisha sees into the fourth dimension beyond what you could naturally see. Was there an army there? Yeah, there was an army there. Was there a big army that could destroy Elisha and his servant? Yeah, absolutely. And they were coming to get him. But was there more going on than what could be seen. Absolutely, there was God's army was there. 
But just because we don't see something or we don't understand something completely doesn't mean it's not necessary. There are all kinds of things that are beyond the finiteness or the limits of our, th our thought process. Now, as we spend time with God, revelation can come and complex things become simple. I mean, it's truth. It is. It's absolutely true that can you understand the Trinity? Well, absolutely you can. You can come into a place where faith brings you into that place of understanding what the Trinity is really all about. The error, the difficulty is, is that what the church has tried to do through the years or different ministers have tried to do is to redefine who God is to try to fit a mold to help them understand about what God does or how God appears. And what ends up is, happening is inevitably, whenever a man toys with these things, error ends up in the church. You end up with the Jehovah Witnesses, you end up with the Mormons, you end up with all these different groups of people, uh, and that, that's just the beginning. I'm just mentioning two you're probably more familiar with that begin to veer off. That's why these creeds become so important to us because they teach us the value, the sacredness of God is three persons. God is three persons. Now I realize that we could be in a place in our life right now where we are very pragmatic. And we talked about how that's the spirit of the age where we're very pragmatic and we're just like, well, I really don't care I don't really care if God's three persons in one. I really just care about God's fixing my messes that I got going on in my life right now. So tell me how to do that. Well, here's the issue with that. God teaches us both. He teaches us how to get out of where we are, but he also wants us to understand the identity that we have in him and who he is and what he has done and what he has done for you and I to keep us out of error. Keep us out of error. When things become less sacred in the church, what ends up happening is error begins to creep in. And people begin to believe things that are not biblical. They're not, there's no biblical foundation for them. And so everything I'm going to teach you out of the Bible this morning, excuse me, everything I'm going to teach you in this church is out of the Bible. It's not just out of church history. This is out of the Bible. So it's got to be tied directly to Scripture, and it's got to be just like Scripture, or we're not going to teach it here. Can you say Amen. So I'd like us, if we could, this morning to stand. I want you to stand up. We're going to say the Apostles' Creed together. And uh, we have it up there on the screen, I believe. Yep. So why don't you say this? Uh, uh, you're too far ahead in that. You're, yeah, you got to go to the beginning of it. Oh, that's all you got? Wow. Nope. Wonder why it didn't come through. Well, I'll read it to you, and you can just agree with me, okay? <laughs> and if you know it, then go ahead and say it with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Father, thank you that as we come before you this morning that you speak to our hearts. Lord, I thank you that what you take is information under divine inspiration 
And Lord, that as you do that, it becomes revelation to us. Lord, as we make application of that revelation in our lives, Lord God, we experience dynamic transformation, becoming more Christ-like in this world. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So he says, he begins all of this with talking about the Father, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Now, it's interesting as you study this, and if you look in Revelation chapter 4 and verses 9 through 11, I think we have that up there on the screen. It says, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, and the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and they were created. Now people will ask the question, why did God create everything? Because he wanted to. It tells you right there. And my point with this is that, you know, as we try to understand, we, we have to realize that it is the New Testament that reveals to us who the Father, what God is really like, what God's attitude is, why God did the things that he did. It, it, makes, it brings clarity. People say, well, why did God, did God make man because he wanted somebody to worship him? God is complete. He didn't need anybody to worship him. He's totally, absolutely complete. He did not need mankind. Somebody said, well, he wanted to make something that he could love. Well, that isn't what that says. And you're not going to find that in the Bible. Those are all nice ideas. But if you want biblical truth, you have to see what the Bible says about it. The reason God made man was for his own pleasure, period. His own will, his own pleasure, because that's what he wanted to do. And that was the determination that he had. And so he created everything. And of course, you know that everything was without form and void, according to Genesis 1-2, that everything was in chaos and God began to speak and things began to create. And he created an earth in his mind. He had already thought about creating man. He, he, that, you know, it wasn't like he was like, well, let me see what I could make out of all this mess. Right? Oh, well, we'll make some trees and make some plants and okay, well, let's, let's make a gorilla and let's make an elephant and let's make a, and then he thought, well, you know, I think I'll make something else today. Well, no, God had a plan. God is way too far ahead of us in his thinking. He had a plan for everything he was going to create, but he created it and they exist. All of it, all that you and I see exists because that's what the, that's what God wanted. That's what God wanted. Amen? See, the, the attitude of the common man in the Old Testament understanding of God was very clouded or very veiled, I should say. Man didn't really see God, understand who God really was. They had interaction with God, and God had interaction with them. God gave them the Ten Commandments through Moses. God spoke to them through the prophets, tried to guide them and lead them to keep them out of trouble. He wasn't trying to take things away from them. He was trying to keep them out of trouble, things that were going to lead to their downfall. Men rejected what God had to say, and men ended up in trouble because of that and ended up losing whatever ground that they had gained. But before Jesus came, 
mankind really did not have a clear picture of what God was like, what God was like. And so what their, the attitude, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, was more of a bail attitude about God, B-A-A-L, that what I do is I make my sacrifice and God responds to my sacrifice. Where when we understand what God is really like, we understand that God has made the sacrifice and now you and I respond to his sacrifice, not our sacrifice. So you know what? It, it's the very nature of the carnal man whenever things are bad to start thinking about negotiating with God, right? You know, so things are bad and things aren't going good and, you know, maybe our kid is sick or we're sick or we're hurting financially and we start thinking, well, I need to do something so God will do something or Christians will even say, well, what did I do that things are happening like they are right now? Like somehow God is making bad things happen to his people. Are you all here? That's a Baal attitude. That is the total spirit of Baal. And uh, it is a perverted attitude about God. And it really was Israel's mindset back and forth. They, they really could not comprehend God the Father, that God had, they talked about it. They talked about the Father. The Father God was not a, a term that was just New Testament. It was talked about in the Old Testament. But in their understanding of God the Father, they really could not comprehend. They couldn't grab hold of it, of what, that, he was, that he was their father, that he, had, that he cared about them, and that he was the one that was initiating the relationship, not them initiating the relationship towards him. Are you with me right now? All right. So, John teaches us in John chapter 1, verse 18, that no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. Now, did they hear God's voice? Yes, they did hear God's voice. Did they see clouds that they knew God was around? Yes, they did. Israel did. Did they see smoke and vapor and fire and all those things? Yes, they did. But no one ever saw God. No one. The only God who is at the Father's side this is talking about, Je talking about Jesus, the one who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Listen to this out of the, um, this translation. I forget which one this is, but it doesn't matter. But uh, no one has ever seen God. Oh, this is out of the Moffat translation. No one has ever seen God, the only son who is in the bosom of the Father. It was he who unfolded him made it clear what he was like, all right? Uh, amplified version. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique son or the only begotten son who is in the bosom in the intimate presence of the Father. Now watch this. He has declared him. He has revealed him. He has brought him out where he can be seen and he has interpreted him and he has made him known. That's pretty powerful if you ask me. What Jesus did was he came and made clear this is what God the Father is like. This is what God's personality is like. This is what you are to identify. Because see, if we're going to talk about God being our Father, then we're going to have to talk about our identity. What we identify, because we identify, you know, with our parents. We, I mean, whether we want to or we don't, 
we identify with where we came from. It affects our lives, right? It does. It, it affects how we think. We learned a lot from our folks. Uh, we'll just combine mom and dad here. So it, it did stuff to us. If they blessed us, we walked in a greater security. If they cursed us, we walked in a greater insecurity. Right? And this is all proven out biblically. I don't have time biblically, but I don't have time to get into it this morning. But, but what, I want, what I want you to see here is, is that, look, nobody knew what, that God was like this until Jesus came and declared and revealed and brought him out where he could be seen and interpreted him so everybody could know what he was like. So if you want to know what God's like, God the Father is like, the only way you can know that is by looking at what Jesus was like. All right. So, you know, these ideas that we have that, that exist and these exist in the church that like, um, well, if I fast and pray long enough, God will heal me. All right. If I fast and pray long enough, God will heal me in my body. If I do something, then God will do something. Now, here's the thing. You cannot prove that in the New Testament by looking at what Jesus did. Because Jesus healed people that didn't deserve anything. They deserved death. The woman, that was, the woman that was caught in adultery by law should have been killed. But what did Jesus give to her? He extended mercy to her. Because that is the nature of the Father God. That is the nature of the Father God. So when we talk about that God is the Father, the creator of heaven and earth... We have to look at what Jesus was like to truly identify what God is like. Now, here's the difficult, my, my big challenge with this. Even though we're talking about this today, there are still people in the church that will identify God the Father by more of a bail mentality than they will of who he really is. That I have to earn this, I have to do something to get this done so, you know, I got to spend more time in the word so God will do this. I got to earn this. And look, we come to God from a place of love, not to get love. You couldn't approach him if he didn't want you. You couldn't. I mean, there's just no way. This is by his choice. He already has decided that you're his. You're his kids, right? Right? You're his children. So he's already decided that. You're chosen. You, 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 know, you weren't in, but when you receive Christ, you're in. So now you're adopted into the family. You're not his second class. You know, adopted children are not second class children. You know, like, the, well, if you're birth born, then that's different. You know, because now, you, because of the genetics and whatever. Well, look, that's genetics. That has nothing to do with who the individual is. That kid that's adopted is as if you can't have a kid adopted and value them as much as you do your birth children, you should not adopt children. When God introduces you to the angels, he doesn't go, well, there's my adopted child. And then the, this is Jesus, my true. Right? No. You're his child, chosen. So the way he thinks about you and the way he talks about you is, is that you're his. 
in his family. You say, well, even when I do bad? Uh-huh. Now, it doesn't mean he agrees with what you're doing. And it doesn't mean that there aren't, reaper, there aren't after effects or repercussions for what we do when we disobey God. Because there are. The, the, the natural law will go into, the, the spiritual law, natural law will go into effect. But the way he looks at us is we're his kids, we're his children, no matter what. We are children of God. Look at your person next to you and say, you're a child of God. Then why, oh, 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 why do we treat God like we've got to get him to do something? In the Old Testament, I mean, in, in, it's a great example of this. In the Old Testament, you look at how Elijah brought those people up on the mountain. He said, bring the prophets of Baal, B-A-A-L, right? The one I've been talking to you about. He said, I want you to bring them up here, and I'm going to let them make a sacrifice, and I'm going to make a sacrifice. But here's the thing. You can't put fire in your sacrifice, so, uh, and I won't either. And the God that answers by fire, that is God Almighty, all right? So the prophets of Baal, they build their altar and they get everything ready and they start praying and they call on heaven and say, you know, they're Baal God to bring fire. Nothing happens. So what do they do? Now, now listen, what do they do? They step it up. They got louder, right? They started cutting themselves. They started they actually went so far as that they were totally exhausted by the time that by the time Elijah by the time Elijah said your God's not answering you uh, they were totally exhausted and spent because they had done everything that they knew to do to try to get their God the Father to respond to their sacrifice nothing happened now the look Elijah turns around as a righteous man and he says, Father, you see the sacrifice. You see what's going on here. I ask you to burn this all. And bam, there it comes from heaven. Fire ignites it. It burns up. And then these prophets of Baal are taken out of the way. But just because they're taken out of the way doesn't mean that mentality doesn't still exist in the life of believers. Because if for one second you think, that you don't deserve the blessing of God for healing in your body based off the merits of what Christ has done, not what you've done. If for one second you think that you, are, you can't be prosperous, it's only based off the merits of what you have done and not off what Christ has done. If you don't think you can be delivered, if you don't think your kids can come around, if you don't think your marriage can be rescued, if you think somehow you have to make something happen to make all that take place, Here's where you're going to be in error. You're looking at a Baal God. You're not looking at the true Father God. And this will totally undermine your faith because it totally undermines your identity. Who you are, what you have, and what you can do. Who you are, what you have, and what you can do. Jesus brought this out in the open. You know, when people came to Jesus and said, I, he said, what do you want? Right? Isn't that what he said? He just say, what do you want? I, you know, if the blind guy's standing in front of you, I mean, why are you asking him what does he want? You can see he's blind. 
Everybody said, look, it's blind Bartimaeus, right? Everybody knows him, blind Bart. But Jesus says, what do you want? He says, I want to see. The leper, what do you want? I want to be healed. I want to be healed. See, Jesus didn't say, well, I need you to like go make a sacrifice. Well, you need to pray harder. Well, if you fast a little longer, right, you know, and spend more time in the word. See, you don't spend time in the word to get God to do stuff. You spend time in the word because of what God's already done. You pray more. You know, that's why prayer has got such a drag on the church because you don't pray because you're trying to get God to do stuff. You're praying so you're declaring what God already said he would do. The spirit of Baal is a real powerful thing. It is so deceptive and it has blinded and robbed God's people for so long. I'm just going to keep touting it all year. Uh, Look, you come to God. When you come to these altars for these prayer prayer team to pray for you, one, it doesn't have anything to do with who's praying for you. Doesn't matter. You say, well, I want Chuck because he's more anointed than, listen, that's in your own head. That isn't Chuck. Chuck's anointed, just like Christine's anointed. Well, he spent more time with God and knows more. Hey, see, you're on works again. You're not on faith. You come to the altar. I don't care if it's a kid. If you come and you're expecting that God is going to move through that person and touch your life and whatever's going on is going to be broken or delivered or, or restored or whatever needs to happen, if you'll believe that and you believe that that's who God is, what God has and what God wants to do, you'll experience your blessing. I have no doubt about it, but it's when we play the, the when we we play the mental exercises in ourselves that somehow, well, I didn't really feel anything, so maybe I just need to pray more. That's not faith. That's that's not. We don't base our faith off our feelings. We base our faith off what the word. Man, this is so good, Pastor. Thank you. This is really awesome. See, whatever mankind thought they understood about God was not accurate before Jesus. Not one person did Jesus ever deal with that he looked at them and said, it's my will to make you more spiritual by leaving you with the sickness and disease that you have in your body. And if you're watching The Chosen, they really missed it. They missed it this last uh, two weeks ago. Anybody, you saw that. So two weeks ago, because they took James the Less and said that he was a crippled, which there is no evidence of that. That's a historical piece of information They took James the less and said that Jesus basically told him that he's leaving him with his sickness and disease because it'll mean more to people that are sick and diseased if they're healed in their bodies and he's not. All I got to say is baloney. Baloney. If that was true, then Jesus should have walked around sick and diseased because it would have helped more people, I guess, that were sick and diseased. No, he walked in perfect health while he walked on this earth. So, you know, The Chosen takes a lot of, if you're watching that series, is anybody watching that? I mean, I'm a few of us. You have to watch, they'll take artistic license, and where there is artistic license, there can be biblical error. And I love it that God's people can watch stuff like that and go, well, that's not true, that isn't even in the Bible. 
That means you're reading your Bible, hallelujah, and that means I'm doing my job. So whatever mankind thought they understood about God was not accurate, but Jesus brought clarity. Listen to this out of John 17, verse 25 through 26. O righteous Father, Jesus said in his prayer, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you sent me and have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So here, what is the Father's intent and what was Jesus saying? The Father loves you and the Father wants to be in you and wants you to experience his love. Verse 23, which was right before these verses, said this, I am in you, I in them, excuse me, and you in me, Lord, that they may become perfectly one and that the world will know that you sent me and loved them as you loved me. Now, let me, let me just ask a question. Don't answer it out loud. Does the world really know that Jesus loved us and that he loved us as much as the Father loves us as much as Jesus loves us and as much as he loved Jesus? I would say no. I would say what the world thinks about the church is you have to earn what you get. which is Baal worship. You have to earn what you get. Grace, by definition, means free gift. There's no way that you, can, that you can't earn grace. You can't. You, you can ask for it, but you can't earn it. You can say, Lord, I, I want to experience your grace. You can get it. He'll give it to you. He gives it freely. God's not going to say, no, I'm not giving you any grace. No. You're a knucklehead. I'm not giving you anything. You made your bed, now sleep in it. You're just going to have to deal with, you know, just you're stuck with what you've got. We don't ever see Jesus doing that. So where do people come up with these ideas? Because they're taking an Old Testament paradigm and they're placing it on the New Testament Father. See, the Father God loves you. Listen now. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Well, Pastor, I don't feel that love. Well, that's because you need to experience the love of the Father. See, the Father, and what Jesus showed us, is that the Father is infinitely powerful. Infinitely. There is no way to define God's power. There's no way. It's, inf it's beyond your comprehension. That's why your Bible tells you in the book of Ephesians 3.20, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above everything you could ask or even think, right? That's what it tells us. He could do above that because he knows you can only think and ask so far because he's infinitely more powerful than what you and I can think. But also, and I love this, the Father is also intensely, that's what Jesus shows us, he's intensely personal. He's intensely personal. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy. Everybody say the Father of mercy. And he's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 
So the idea here is, is that, look, he's the father and that he's with you. The word comfort means paracleo. It means to be alongside you, to be right with you, that whatever you're going through, the father of mercies is right there with you because he loves you and he's the God of mercies and he is the God of all comfort. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't. That's why Jesus said, you're not going to be or you're not orphans, guys. You're, you're, you're children of God, you're children of the Father. He doesn't leave you. Now, you're, the enemy and your carnal body and mind will try to tell you you're on your own. You're by yourself. Nobody cares. Nobody's there. Nobody's with you. But I'm telling you, the truth is that what Scripture teaches us is when you're in your lowest point, God doesn't bail out on you and go, well, you know what? You're on your own now, man. You, just, you, you deserve what you're getting. God says, I'm the father of mercy. I'm the father of mercy. You know what mercy means? Not giving you what you do deserve. Right? Not giving you what you do deserve. That's what mercy is. You know, whenever somebody, you know, if you've ever seen fighters, you know, going at it, the guys in the, you know, they, they say mercy or whatever. What that means is, even though you could kill me right now, I'm asking you to have mercy. Don't do it. So they give them, they, they extend to them mercy. Now, it's different than grace. Mercy is that idea. He's saying he's the father of mercies. Do you deserve punishment? Yeah, but he's not going to give it to you. He's not going to give it to you. But I want to tell you, the devil will beat you up until you think you're nobody and have nobody and can't do anything because he knows if he takes your identity away from you and makes you think you're by yourself and you can't get through this, he knows he's got you right where he wants you because you'll be always questioning and wondering if God is really going to step in and help you out. Man, Pastor, this is so good. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and from whom we exist and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things and through whom we exist. Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things, Jesus said, have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So see, he can be revealed. What's covered over can be revealed. John 14, 6 through 11, Jesus said to them, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one, nobody, no one, not one person comes to the Father except through me. The pathway to the Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you had known me, Jesus said, you would have known my Father also. Look at me, you see the Father. From now on, do you, from now on, you do know him and have seen the Father or have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us, as if he wasn't even listening to what Jesus just said. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Say that with me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So then he says, How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. 
Jesus revealed to us, and just bear this in mind as we had it as we close today's service. He revealed to us the Father is infinitely powerful. Infinitely. How does the Lord's Prayer start? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, worshiped, revered be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He is infinitely powerful. He has a kingdom, he's the king, he is to be revered, he is perfect, he is beautiful, he is wonderful, he is all those things and is to be revered. Then he goes on and he says that, he, he goes into the, in the Lord's Prayer, he says, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the next line? Give us this day. Because why? Why is it? Because he is intensely personal. Give us this day our daily bread. Right? And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those or debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us because he's intensely personal. And then it finishes again just reminding us to thine be you know, the kingdom and the power and the glory forever because he is infinitely powerful. He's infinitely powerful. The Father. I believe in God the Father creator of heaven and earth whatever you're dealing with in your life and all of us are dealing with different things sometimes it's mental stuff physical stuff it's it's uh bad reports it's family issues relational stuff financial stuff that's going on but here's here's what i want you to grab on before you before you leave here today jesus has revealed to us what the father is really like and he cares about you. And he is the God of all comfort. And whatever's going on right now, he's not leaving you. He's not quitting on you. You say, well, I've just blown it so many times. You know, it's like Brother Osteen one time, John Osteen, he said, you know, he was talking to this guy and he was experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he says, well, God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's what's going on. He said, no, no. No, he said, Brother Osteen, I just think I'm just rededicating. He said, Brother, you wore your rededicator out a long time ago. How many of you know about wearing out your rededicator? I mean, it's just like broke. I'm like, well, that's done. No, he wants to take you further than where you are right now. Further than where you are right now. I want you to stand with me if you would. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come if you would. Those that are here this morning and You know, I uh, just to kind of show you the, the power of, uh, of what God can do, um, I won't talk about this in the second service because it'll be online, but um, I had come up several months ago.